Father God, please restore your children that have mental illness with a sound mind and sound heart. Please help restore healthy neuroplasticity to their brains. Father God, we ask for a creative miracle for anyone that may be reading this prayer, for anyone that is hearing this prayer. Father God, please remove the spirit of fear and anxiety. Excerpt from the Sober is Dope book by Pop Buchanan. This May is Mental Health Awareness Month, one of the most beautiful and critical months in our recovery community and the mental health community. Everyone, in some shape or form, deals with mental health issues, whether that's depression, anxiety, PTSD, trauma, sadness. We all experience these mental health symptoms. In my case, I had to deal with depression, sadness, bereavement issues. I had to come to grips with losing my father. I had to come to grips with losing those that I love. I had to have, find the courage to face my depressive symptoms. I had to find the strength to pick myself up out of my addiction. And I wouldn't be 10 years sober today if I did not take the necessary steps to heal for my trauma if I didn't take those steps to address the fear the pain the rejection from love that was lost from friends that I lost from the loss of my dad from the sense of failure and abandonment all of these things made me very sad and depressed and I had to find the strength to talk to a therapist, I had to find the strength to get the help that I needed. I want you to know today that you're not alone. Whether you're in early recovery, whether you're struggling with depression, just reach out for help. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month. Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to the Sobers Though Podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan, and I'm here today to celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month. In this May, we celebrate a most one of the most passionate and critical um, months and holidays and uh, observation days for me, and that's Mental Health Awareness. 
And look, in a nutshell, we know mental health awareness means being aware that we all deal with mental health in some way. It also means that we must be compassionate to those that deal with mental health in our lives. It also means that we must be aware that we are worthy of receiving help. We are worthy of seeking and finding treatment and we are worthy of healing from our mental health and we do not have to suffer in secrecy and by ourselves. Mental health awareness is a really powerful month for us to break the stigma surrounding mental health. Okay, there is a stigma, a way people look at mental health, uh, the way people kind of shun those who deal with mental health and put them in a box in the category and say, well, that's them. That can't be me. And and we have to break that stigma. Ment- uh, a form of mental illness and a brain disease is our addictions. All right. Addiction is something that you can commit, consider not just a disease, but also a mental illness, a mental health issue because we know that drugs and alcohol affect our vital neurotransmitter hormones, thus putting us in a state where we could kind of exhibit and manifest mental health symptoms and mental illness symptoms, okay? And that's that's important, and we call this comorbidities, right? So for me, perfect example, I was drinking because I was depressed or I was depressed because I was drinking. I can never tell. All I know is before I was drinking, I wasn't really depressed. I was just a jubilant, normal kid. Yes, I lost my father. Yes, I was dealing with things, but I think my life would have been different if I never smoked weed or drank alcohol. And when I started experiencing more loss on top of losing my dad, I would go to alcohol to kind of cope and self-medicate and to deal with that pain and trauma and that would result into more problems, more anxiety, more fights, more more sadness, more depression, more PTSD from the incidents that I was in. It was like a, a self-fulfilling cycle. It would just never stop. You know, um, it, it was really bad because I was trying to manage the pain that I was in by drinking my by drinking, but I was drinking myself to death. And I was destroying my body and my brain in the process and make it and that was making me feel even more lousy to the point that I was so chemically dependent that I couldn't live without my drug of choice, which was alcohol. And that just kept like that cipher and that cycle just kept repeating itself to the point to where my body was totally depleted. I wasn't eating. I wasn't bathing. I wasn't drinking water. I was just really down and out. And it was really sad. When I look back, that's the darkness that I never want to go back to. That when, you know, when you hear me speak on Sober is Dope about remember your darkness, right? Associated with your drug of choice. That's the one thing that will help you stay focused on your recovery and watch those triggers so you don't ever have to run the risk of going back to that sad state in that darkness. It's waiting for all of us, right? Once you have that first hit or you have that first drink, I'm telling you, all of those, all of that, you know, you have this like kind of fleeting euphoria that lasts for about a couple of minutes up to an hour and then for the rest of your day and for the rest of that month or for the rest of that time you're using you're going to be in a state of 
depression, sadness, weakness, and regret. And it's never worth it. So when you find your recovery, it's important to acknowledge that you are um, in a safe place and you are in the best position to start to heal. So for me, I don't wanna go into a lot of facts about mental health in this episode. I just wanna talk from a human's perspective and my experience, and I wanna give you some encouragement. I want a lot of you out there, I want everyone out there to understand that if you're struggling in your recovery or you're in active addiction, I want you to really consider seeing someone about your mental health. We are conditioned in society to think that our addiction is just something by itself. It has nothing to do with mental health, right? We don't even think about it. We don't talk about it. Now, I'm happy to say if you go to a really good rehab, it's a really good place that has a clinical and medically assisted detox and the board certified doctors who an addiction specialist that can help you. They usually have some a mental health department and they usually treat for mental health. They did for me and I was lucky. Now, if I went to the wrong place and they just was like, okay, we're going to just teach you about your addiction and we're going to teach you how to watch out for your triggers, but no one ever talked to me about mental health, I don't know if I would be this successful in my recovery today. So all I'm saying is, please, if you in, if you are in early recovery now, I don't, wanna, I don't want you getting caught up in insurance and money and all of that. It's really easy to call your insurance company and say, hey, I'm someone who's um, recovering from alcohol or drugs and I'm dealing with mental health issues and I would like to see if my insurance covers me speaking to a therapist, maybe a counselor, maybe a psychiatrist, right? Start there, just speaking to someone, right? Now, we know when we talk about mental health and mental illness, we have to talk about suicide, we have to talk about depression, we have to talk about sadness, we have to talk about trauma, bipolar, all of these different things, right? How they diagnose these illnesses is there's the, um, the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostical Statistics Manual, Statistical Manual for Mental Health, right? The DSM-5, that has all of the mental health diagnoses. There's so many different forms of mental health, like dysthymia, which is like functional depression. I think like I was, I had a rare form of um, seasonal affective disorder with dysthymia, and um, post-traumatic depression, I mean, post-traumatic um, uh, PTSD, right? I, I, so I was dealing with a lot of complex thing, things. I was dealing with my, my grief from the losses that I was taking in my life was fueling my depression and really putting me in this defeated state where all I wanted to do was just really be angry, cry, and pissed but I was angry about a breakup. I was angry that I lost my dad. I was angry that I lost my job. And then, you know, I didn't learn till later that our brain processes loss as and grief 
um, loss as a form of grief. So when you lose a job or you lose your, you get a divorce or, you know, you lose something important to you, you know, yeah, you lose your house, your car gets repossessed, you lose your job, your family member dies, a, a friend of, you have a big fight with a, a, your best friend or someone and you fall out. Your brain processes that as grief, right? And that changes your brain through neuroplasticity. And that change usually can result in a, a radical drop in your vital neurotransmitter hormones like norepinephrine, serotonin, dopamine, and stuff like that. When that happens, you tend to, to um, depressive symptoms and mental health symptoms tend to man, man, manifest in different ways, right? Your, your hormones drop. You might develop a bipolar thing where you're manic most of the time because you're, you're, you're going through these ups and then you're going through these depressive lows and downs, right? You, it might manifest as just straight complex PTSD or some form of complex depression or functional depression or just sadness, general sadness, a general anxiety or paranoia. Um, it runs the gamut. Now listen, full disclosure, obviously Pop is not a psychiatrist and a doctor, so please consult any medical, um, consult your doctor, and consult a professional brain specialist and a psychiatrist and therapist when addressing your mental health. I'm just speaking from my personal experience and um, that's really important. So to give you an idea, Mental Health Awareness Month, Pop, how did you get better? How did you start to heal from all of these losses? How did you start to heal from the depression? How did you heal all the damage that you caused to your brain from drinking alcohol the way you were drinking, right? And there's physical damage that our addiction causes to our brain that can result in more mental health issues because we know smoking put holes in your brain, your lungs, it creates all of this damage. Alcohol pulls on your liver, damages your liver, your pancreas, throws your body out of homeostasis. Um, throws all of your hormones out of whack, right? It's a consistently affecting your brain in a negative way. So I'm smoking, I'm drinking all day, I'm getting into fights, I'm hitting my head, I'm sleeping too much that I'm not sleeping enough, I'm not eating, I'm not I'm malnourished, I'm not drinking enough water or any water, um, I'm sad, so it keeps fueling itself. So my recovery is the first step to healing all of this, right? So none of this could change without you changing how you deal with your drug of choice, right? Now, this someone could be listening to this episode that do not have an addiction issue, but you may have something in your life that's that you're using to deal with your mental health, like food. You could have a food addiction, right? Where you're eating sugars and, and cakes and candy all day. You could just be smoking cigarettes and be addicted to nicotine, and that could be fueling depression because nicotine damage, put, you're putting smoke in your body, Body, it damages your brain, it's damaging your lungs. You don't get enough oxygen to your blood. Your blood oxygen levels drop. You're feeling lousy. Smoking is horrible, right? You're pumping thousands of chemicals into your bloodstream. You might be abused. You might be shopping. You might be gambling, which could cause depression because now everyone in your, around you is upset. You're spending rent money. You're out there. All addictions, we all deal with addictions. When we talk about addiction, or drugs even, or, or addiction in any way, we're talking about both substance, when we're talking about substances and everything, it's, it's, it includes 
actual drugs and alcohol and behavior addictions like, you know, shopping, sex, pornography, um, eating disorders. Uh, it runs the gamut, man. Manipu manipulating people, lying, being addicted to lying, being a pathological liar, um, taking advantage of people. We are addicted on multiple levels in our society as humans. We form these kind of neuro pathways and these, uh, how should I say, we form these negative behavior patterns, right? Through repetition that tend, that we tend to kind of rely on that's unhealthy for us, right? So it's not just about drugs and alcohol. It's something that you're doing in your life that's unhealthy for your mental health. And you have to address the sources of your pain and trauma. The, my One of my favorite doctors, Dr. Gabor Mate, the author of The Realm of Hungry Ghosts, he always speaks about all addiction stems from pain and trauma. Again, going back to that pain and trauma, when we experience pain and trauma, we have this kind of reaction to it, right? Um, it, makes us, it makes us feel a certain way and then we react to this. Right now, we know that through that pain and trauma, we can't grow. So they talk about post-traumatic growth, um, just like they talk about PTSD. Most people don't always hear about post-traumatic growth, but post-traumatic growth means that you could grow through your trauma and get and be better um, than you were prior to the trauma. So you could grow through the pain. It's kind of like that analogy, like a, a blade of grass growing through the concrete, right? You can come out on the other side of your trauma more whole, right? So this is real. But what Dr. Gabor Mate was talking about is that most addictions stem from childhood pain, childhood trauma, or um, pain and trauma in general. So it's really important to identify what, where the trauma points are in your life and where the pain points are in your life. Go back to your childhood. Was your mother or dad there? Maybe you have, grew up in a one-parent a one home. Maybe you grew up with an abusive parent. Maybe you grew up in an abusive household. Maybe you had a sibling or someone who was abusive to you and always cursed at you or said bad things. Maybe your marriage was a bad marriage and you was in these bad relationships and you never felt love. Maybe you actually got hit in your head. Maybe you was an athlete. We see this a lot with athletes, you know? We see this a lot with people in general. You know, you get into a, you fall off a bike, you hit your head, you slightly concuss, you don't think nothing of it. That can set off a host and slew of mental health issues, right? Down the line. Um, shout out to Dr. Daniel Amen. He's one of the few doctors who actually looks at the brain through imaging and he could determine that, he could look at your brain and determine what type of mental health um, symptoms you have, your what what your future will look like and what 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 type of illnesses you may have what it's, it's incredible when you actually look at the brain prior to dr amen's um um study psychiatrists weren't looking at the brain they was taking what you said on face value and they was like comparing it to symptoms and giving you a diagnosis based on what you were saying oh i feel sad sometimes i feel detached i can't i can't get out of bed it was all these general symptoms that they kind of classified then they'll compare it to the dsm-5 and try to diagnose you but that's why that's the problem sometimes with antidepressants and pharmacotherapy because 
if a doctor uh, misdiagnoses you, uh, it could be critical because you have a lot of people who's like, look, I, I'm taking my medication, but I'm still having these issues and I've been on these medications for years. Now, I'm a proponent for medication and antidepressants and taking meds for mental health. I did, but I had a really good doctor who really listened to me and she really kind of got it right, right? I got lucky. Now, my doctor could have said, she said you have, well, actually, Another thing my doctor did do, she looked at my blood results. So they did they did blood results and she was able to measure my vital, my hormone levels. So she, she saw that I had low serotonin levels and was like, well, you're very sad. I'm diagnosed, she, um, she diagnosed me as being extremely sad. I had this rare form of sadness where I seemed manic and happy all day, but I was truly like sub supremely sad she was like if the average person is at a five you're at a negative 16 right that's how sad you are but you won't be able to tell because you are very animated your brain works in a specific way you have a lot of energy you're smart you you you, you speak a lot and you seem like you want to make people happy so you're going to go out your way to be happy around people even if you're not happy right and i'm, I'm happy to say this and now that I'm in recovery, if I'm not happy, I'm not happy, right? I'm not going to sit there and try to pretend. I'm going to be like, yo, I'm out of it today. Don't want to go out. I'm just going to chill, catch a movie, relax, cook some food. Now, I know how to get make myself happy, but I also know when my body needs a chill pill. Well, look, don't go out today or don't go to that party or, you know, take care of yourself. Do a self-care day. So I'm saying all of this to say, like, look how much evidence that I have by being aware of my mental health issues, being aware of myself, doing inspecting myself and saying, okay, I have to love myself enough to deal with my the death of my father. I had to do bereavement counseling. I had to speak to somebody who was like, yo, how do you feel about your dad dying? Did anybody ever sit down and talk to you about this, right? Sometimes what happens in our families, uh, we lose a family member, someone we love. We mourn together, but we don't get the actual counseling individually that we may need. Especially when you lose a parent or someone or a sibling or a cousin or someone really close, like a grandmother or grandfather. I think you should sit with a priest or you should go see someone that specializes in bereavement, maybe a bereavement grief counselor. And just, you know, maybe just have a couple of sessions where you just talk about the person you love, how you feel. And a professional can give you, uh, uh, it, you know, tips and advice on how to navigate this grief and loss in your life. Now, remember what I said, go back to the brain and how the brain deals with loss. It processes it through the grief as grief. So you have to deal with your grief responsibly. If you don't, you run the risk of manifesting a mental health component or some type of condition because you're really sad and you're really bent up and you're, you're mourning for, you know, you see some people mourning three, four, five years later, you're like, yo, I know this is your loved one and there's nothing wrong with mourning, but I'm talking about they, they crying, they can't get out of, they like really can't get past that they lost their, someone they love. And, I, and I'm saying that's real and valid, but when it starts to take a toll on you and you can't function in society, you're not doing, you're not paying homage to your 
loved one that passed because they wouldn't want to see you in this depressive state and you're not um, being responsible taking care of yourself and practicing self-care and um, and doing the right thing so please address your pain address your trauma going back to the message dr. Gamor Mate says all addiction stems from pain and trauma some childhood pain Try to investigate what happened in your life. If you were being abused verbally, mentally, physically, psychologically, if you were sexually abused, go to a priest, go to a cop, talk to him about it. Talk to someone, find a group. We have anonymous groups that's outside of AAs, not just AA. They have sexual survivor groups, assault groups, uh, groups for every type of person. Just go on Google, find a group that you could go into a Zoom, confide in someone, you know, that that helps. Also, I wanna talk about shame and guilt and how shame and guilt could affect your mental health negatively, creating depression, anxiety, and fear, and all of these things like that. Because sometimes we do things in our lives that we are ashamed of, that we really know was bad. You know, maybe you cheated on someone you really love, but you did it with someone that you did it in a way that was really hurtful for them. And you really love this person and you just feel like crap. Maybe you took money from someone and couldn't pay them back. Maybe you misled someone or you manipulated a person that you truly love when you was in your addiction and you it breaks, it, it tears you up. Maybe you actually physically hurt someone or you did something in a rage that you're ashamed of that you can't speak to anyone about. Now, we know when you hold things in, like if you have a secret that's tearing you up, you have to confide it or you have to tell the truth. It has to come off your chest. This is the most impossible thing. I still hold some things that's very hard for me to get off my chest and share, so I'm working on that, right? There's things that's in my life that I'm still like, well, I have to really reconcile these things, right? And every day I confront that, and when am I gonna have the courage to actually do this? But there was things that was way worse that I actually did confront already, right? I did a lot, took a lot of steps of confronting a lot of demons in my life and clear, clearing the slate. That's why I'm so light. But there's still things that's lingering that I still feel like if I can't fix in a certain amount of time, I have to kind of come, got to get off my chest, right? And the best way to deal with shame and guilt is confessing it, sharing it with another person, right? Uh, I, I guess that um, Brene Brown always talks about shame and guilt as, you know, shame can't survive um, um, you sharing it with another person. Like, I forgot how she expressed it. It was very brilliant. But she, she expressed it in a way like the moment you confess to another person, I did this terrible thing and you start talking about it. Oh, shame can't survive empathy. Right. Once you confess to someone and they can empathize with you, you start to feel better. She also makes a distinction of between shame and guilt. Um, guilt is I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. And there's a big difference on how we deal with shame and guilt in our recovery. Next thing I want to talk about is forgiveness, seeking forgiveness for your shortcomings and the things that you may have done in recovery and also asking for forgiveness, um, I mean, or, or extending forgiveness to yourself and to others. For the people that may have caused trauma in your life, you may have to forgive them as part of your therapy to un un uncovering the things that, the pain and trauma that 
is fueling your mental illness or the mental health symptoms that you may be experiencing, right? Okay, this PTSD, the stuff that's fueling the addiction. I know this is a lot, but these are the basic fundamentals, right? I, I'm glad I'm able to explain it in a real, I think the more simple you could explain something, the more complex it is, because I don't wanna confuse anyone. It really comes down to doing a moral inventory, really understanding yourself, being honest with yourself and saying, look, I'm depressed and I feel like crap and I don't know why, so I have to go see a professional. I'm mad at my family on things that happen when I'm a child. I have to write them a letter or I have to tell them. I, I'm in a relationship that's suffocating me and I'm depressed and it's making me want to relapse. I have to get out of it. I don't feel love. I don't feel welcome. I don't feel lot. I'm sad. I feel like a failure. All of these things could go back to, that could lead to you being depressed, anxious, in a state of prolonged fear, uh, um, paranoia, uh, um, agitated, and, 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 and you could be displaying these manic and highs and where some days you just at the top of the world and other days you can't get out the bed. Mental health is real. Mental health awareness month is here. This is a time where you can get all the knowledge you want. You could you could really participate in mental health events. This month on Sober is Dope, I want to emphasize a lot more on the mental health side of recovery. And I want anyone that listens that's that that that's on Instagram and TikTok and see when I post, sometime I'm posting people that may not be in recovery, but that may be surviving from mental illness or may be dealing with mental health because we know mental health and addiction goes one in the same. Right. I had one of my uh, one of my friends from the Sober's Dope community. I had posted a video of what's my girl name? I love her so much. Um, um, I think it's Kirsten. I forgot her name. Uh, I love her so much. It'll come back to me. Um, it's a girl that played Veronica Mars, though. Um, it'll come back to me. Anyway, I posted a video of her and uh, one of my friends, and she's sweet. She was like, are you aware that she drinks wine and she should not be somebody that's on your page? And I was like, no, no, this, po this post, she's talking about how she overcame anxiety and, 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 and the person just probably couldn't get there with me. And then when I read is, you know, deep into it, she was like, I, she has a, she smokes weed occasionally, but she's, she chills. She, she's not drinking wine. She has, she wasn't, she never drank alcohol until later in life. And she doesn't have an addiction problem. Her main issue was anxiety. So my thing was, well, I could post a doctor that's a psychiatrist that talks about mental health and will take it as fact. But the doctor may not have an addiction issue and may drink. Doesn't mean they can't be on the page. So this is what we call live and let live mentality. On sober is dope, it's not always cut and dry. That person is not sober, so they're not welcome or I can't listen to them. We can take pointers from people because remember, a large subset of society can drink without having, without being addicted. They can drink responsibly and it does not affect their life. That's a large subset of society. We're talking about almost, I don't know the statistics, but I feel like it's like 80% of people could drink normally and then 20% of us, which is uh, millions of people cannot. 
So we can we we have to kind of like listen. There's a mental health community that has a voice that needs to be heard. I'm a mental health survivor. I'm I'm a survivor of depression. And I didn't even know I was depressed and sad. I knew I was upset. I knew I was mad. I right? I had I just I went through a, a, I lost just a couple a lot of friends in a small period of time surrounding my addiction and it just hurt my feelings and I was pissed, right? And that manifested in me just drinking so much more and just really hitting rock bottom in a bad way and then being able to survive in rock bottom in a really successful way for way too long. So it's just like, I just literally just was just grinding it from both ends and just hurting myself. Cause I was like, I was able to go probably six, seven months on rock bottom, just hurting myself, drinking every day, not eating, not drinking water, not doing anything that was healthy for me. Right? So you're listening to Sober is Dope. Thank you for your patience. I mean, sometimes when I'm speaking, I'm coming from such a real place. I'm pulling from my life experience. I'm trying to give you as much um, integrity and honest uh, content that I can um, that's pertinent to your journey. So thanks for bearing with me. It's not as hard. It's just hard really just talking about this much stuff in a fluid way to make it make sense to you and to make it connect. Um, uh, so I love you so much for being patient. I know sometimes uh, I could be a little choppy. Sometimes I could go be a little bit all over the place, but I promise you it's for a reason because there's nothing there. Our recovery is complex and complicated. Our addiction is com was complex and compl uh, com complicated. Our mental health issues uh, is complicated. So sometimes the message is going to be, you know, it's not going to it's going to be a lot. And I, and I want you to hear where I'm coming from. Now, what's the takeaways for this episode? Now, if you're listening up to this point, if you are in early recovery, please go find a therapist and a psychiatrist and try to investigate. Go get a pen and paper and write down everything traumatic that happened in your life. Think about every time you hit your head, any accident you've been in, whether it was a car accident, falling off a bike, getting somebody punching you in the face, hitting you in the head. We take all of this stuff for granted. Our brains are very sensitive, right? Getting hit the wrong way could produce so many mental, um, mental um, health issues in your brain. Um, that you will you can't even begin to understand i mean there's people who personalities change based on a fight that they may have right motor skills function the way you process data the way you process pain and stuff you had your uh, brain health it all boils down to brain health also while we're on the subject of mental health you have a bunch of neurons in your gut. You have a second brain called your gut brain. So there's a direct connection between the foods that we eat, the substances that we put in our body and our mental health. We know there's studies that link depression to junk food. Too much sugar, too much junk food, and not enough nutrient density can lead to depressive symptoms, anxiety, um, bad hormonal uh, hormone issues, cancers, and all of this stuff. So practice eating clean. If you don't know what it means to eat clean, Google, how do I eat clean? What's the difference between a plant-based diet and a Mediterranean diet? What's a good diet for lowering my blood sugar? What's a good diet that's high in nutrient density? I'll tell you this 
this much, the best diet or the best thing to incorporate into your foods are whole fruits and vegetables. Okay, I mean real though. I don't want you throwing up and talking about I put a, a banana in my smoothie and I got my fruit. I'm not talking about that. A banana does not have enough nutrients for you to do what I'm talking about. I'm talking about kale, um, spinach, onions, garlics, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, oranges, apples, and get real, you know, new diversity. You want a lot of color in your foods. Eat a lot of fiber, the best way to lose weight so you know. This is from years of me experience is having a high protein, high fiber diet, moderate to low carbohydrates, no junk carbs like, um, you know, pastas and rices and all that. You won't lose weight. You're trying to eat all of that stuff. I'm telling you, I mean, especially in the beginning, just don't leave it alone. You like rice, try cauliflower rice. You like, um, pasta try zucchini pasta uh, but kick up the fiber a lot of cruciferous vegetables broccolis artichokes bok choy stuff like that high protein i'm telling you it'll change eat healthy fats a lot of nuts a lot of avocados stuff like that balance your fat your, your fats with your proteins and your vegetables you will feel great and after a while you will not want that and, and a little quick confession i just I, I was in the hospital with a family member. I had a couple of cookies. Next thing you know, I was eating cookies all for the last two weeks. Like I literally was going to the store and bringing back box of sugar-free cookies, but they still was high. They had a high carbohydrate count. So eventually I felt like I was putting on unhealthy weight. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not true, Pop. You can't get into cookies and all of that. But I was going through a lot. So sometimes we have to catch ourselves. I have to catch myself today. And I was like, you know what? I know you've been busy. I know you've been a little down. You've been dealing with a lot. You've been running. But you have to get back to whole foods, fruits and vegetables. You have to try to fast. Fasting also helps. So listen, a little quick nutrition course, but listen, I'm being honest with you. You cannot be dealing with depression and eating and eating whatever you want and think that you're gonna uh, feel good. You're gonna feel lousy if you're eating junk food, right? You're gonna feel like crap. You're gonna feel like junk. So let me take a breath, deep breathing, meditation. So, so some tips, meditation, prayer, what can help mental health? Find a therapist, go to church. Um, if you don't believe in church or anything, find some type of spiritual ritual or outlet, meditate, learn yoga, um, practice a, a sport, pick up a hobby, practice mindfulness, go for walks, learn about mindfulness, right? Google it, read about it, talk about it, find a mindfulness coach. Um, they have um, different, different therapies they have. Cognitive behavioral therapy is great. Acceptance commitment therapy is great, right? Um, you, could, you could look up a place called Blend, Blend Health, B-L-N-D, um, blendhealth.com. They're really good, friends of ours. Uh, try to find a bereavement coach. Uh, practice self-care. Really taking care of yourself, you know, make sure you get have a, you know, take care of your wardrobe, make sure you, 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 you know, you get your manicures, you, 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 you have proper hygiene, you get your hair done, you look good, you take care of yourself, you eat well, you're going to look sexy, you're going to feel sexy, you're going to feel good about yourself, you feel good about yourself, you're going to be less depressed, you're going to have more energy, right? So invest in good clothes, invest in taking care of yourself, 
have a creative activity or something that you could do in your life, a hobby, pick up a hobby, something that you could do at least two or three times a week that breaks up the monotony, right? A lot of us get stuck in this nine to five, come home, go to sleep, Netflix, chill, nine to five, come home, go to sleep, Netflix and chill on the weekend, do laundry, run errands, probably have one day to go out, maybe Saturday, Sunday, go to church, get depressed because you got to go back to work. You got to really do a lot. When you get off work, go out, go to a karate class, go learn how to paint. Just get outside of your comfort zone. Maximize your 24 hours a day. Well, listen, this is all I have for you today. This is our episode, Mental Health Awareness. It's in the month of May. I love you all. This was specifically tailored to anyone that's in active addiction, early recovery, or full-blown recovery. Well, I don't care if you got 30 years or 30 days. This episode is for you. Your mental health is just as important as your addiction. If you don't take care of your mental health, you will relapse. And if you don't take care of that, if you don't keep that addiction at bay, you will screw up your mental health. They go one in the same. So repeat after me, comorbid addiction, comorbid addiction, okay? Comorbid addiction, comorbidities, dual diagnoses, meaning that you can have a depressive, you could be depressed at the same time while you're using, right? You could be dealing with depression and anxiety. That's a comorbidity. You could be bipolar, anxious, and depressed and sad at the same time and have four different mental health diagnoses at the same time drinking drugs and doing alcohol. These are comorbidities, they're dual diagnoses. So you need a good doctor or a, a good addiction specialist to diagnose you as whether you're dealing with alcoholism, drug addiction, as well as whatever mental health addiction, I mean, mental health component you may have. This is all one school of thought. We cannot separate it. We do not separate it on sober as dope. So if you're listening to this episode, hopefully now you're my, you're many expert in the field of addiction and mental health and how that relates to you and you have enough actionable steps to take to help you on your journey i hope you enjoy our motivational message in the beginning of the episode i have one request if you haven't picked up the soap is dope book please pick it up if you do have a soap is dope book and you want to leave me a positive message please go to amazon and do it we have 11 reviews but we sold almost a thousand books so I don't know what ha what's happening there, but if you guys are out there and you have the book, please take a moment and leave me a positive review. Someone left a two-star review the other day. I think it was just a hater, somebody that, because I sometimes you got to fight with people and then someone could have just been like, screw this guy. They didn't leave a review, they just left two stars. So I know I didn't write a two-star book, so please help. If I get to 15 reviews, it opens up the floodgates on Amazon, so we're almost there. Also, leave a review for the Sober's Dope Podcast. Go over for the Apple, leave a review. My next request is if you follow me on Instagram, please engage with us, engage in the comments, get become part of the community. All of the action is there. Share, um, I, I know a lot, I see a lot of you are sharing. Don't be afraid to inbox me. If you're listening to the podcast, find me. Inbox me on so at Sober's Dope. I'm usually always there. I check my messages every day. If you want to leave me a personal note, you can always leave me an email at soberisdope at gmail.com or my even more direct email, soberisdopebook 
um, at gmail.com. All right. Or you can leave me a message at SobersDope.com, which is our official website where you can listen to all of our podcast episodes. And you can also get your um, whatever podcast platform you are in. You can listen to the episode right on Sobers Dope. You go there. It'll take you to Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Audible, Google, wherever you at. That's a little bit of housekeeping. Um, shout out to all the fundraisers that we're having. We're running a successful fundraiser for um, N Overdose, Sobers, um, the Sober Black Girls Club, um, the Mental Health Foundation, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. So please support all of the fundraisers that we have going on Instagram. And remember, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. Mental health is gold. Take care of your mind. Take care of your body. Take care of your spirit. And don't leave God out of the equation. God can heal all things, all right? So if you can't afford a therapist, go to God and pray. I love you all. You listen to the show, but it's dope. That's it for Pop. I'm out. Peace and love.